this Sunday morning. Good to see our friends from out of state are soon to be back in state. Um, it, it is Thanksgiving week, and we are super thankful for a multitude of things, um, including the fact that we get to gather here to worship our God and to, to praise Him for what all that He has done. I'm also thankful that next week I get to sing Christmas songs without shame, because I've had a lot of, <laughs> I've gotten a lot of flack for that. I tried to do a Christmas song today for Operation Christmas Child, but my bandmates said no, so uh, <laughs> I can thank them for that. Anyways, uh, would you stand with us as we sing? We have, uh, if you guys are looking for lyrics, you can find them up here, or I think there are sheets still there as well. Um, but if you're looking for speaker notes and our connection card, you can fill that out online and find it online at civalhammer.com forward slash Sunday. Uh, but yeah, let's, uh, let's begin praising him. You 
Saints will worship in joyful strain. 
Good morning. My name is Mark Klepsig. I, uh, my wife and I, Stacy, uh, lead a community group here at Church in the Valley, and we just want to really welcome everybody today, whether you're here with us in the courtyard or joining us online. Um, if you are our guest this morning, we have a gift for you. It's a book that's called How Good is Good Enough. You can find that on the guest resource table. It's uh, sized up this week. We have all the Operation Christmas Child boxes over there as well. Um, so you can take one of those books, give it to a friend or family member, or take it for yourself. It's a really good book, very helpful. Uh, you can find the listening guide and connection card at civalhambra.com Sunday. Um, you're welcome to give online if you'd like to support the church or drop your offering in one of the buckets that's around the courtyard on your way out. We also would encourage you uh, any programs, recycling, and the pins, if you would drop those in the buckets, uh, we'd appreciate that as well. Now, if you're here in person and are our first or second time guest, uh, I just we want to give you a special welcome. We ask that you would let us know um, how you heard about us on your connection card and just fill out as much information as you feel comfortable sharing. Um, the connection card is just a way that we can know what's going on in people's lives and be, be able to pray over uh, situations and praise God together. So that's very helpful. And just if you let us know um, how you heard about Church in the Valley, that helps us to marshal our resources well and really uh, invest in how we get the message out to our community. All right, so um, as I complete the announcements, we're going to be having kids come forward, and um, we'll, in a few minutes we'll be praying over some gifts that we're giving through Operation Christmas Child to kids around the world. So could, you can start coming forward. Um, I want to let you know about the Lord's Supper this afternoon. 
the Lord's Supper will be celebrated uh, at 3 p.m. here in the courtyard. So 3 to 4.30, there will be child care provided. Um, and it's for those who've made Jesus Christ the boss of their lives or the Lord of their lives. Um, get out the way. So uh, it's really an opportunity to remember what Christ did on the cross, his sacrifice for us that uh, enables us to have a relationship with him. And then to reflect uh, and get uh, reconcile our relationship to God and relationship with each other. It's a very special time. Uh, and then we can just celebrate how he's risen from the dead and how we have new life in him. So please RSVP if you haven't in the comments of your connection card. That'd be very helpful. All right. Now the challenge is to see if anyone could pay attention to me with these awesome kids here. Uh, the next announcement is parent-child dedication overview. Uh, Sunday, November 28th, so next week at 11.15, right after service here in the courtyard, we'll be doing uh, an overview. So that's for um, a parent-child dedication that's going to be taking place on December 19th. So if you are wanting to dedicate yourself and your children, um, then and if you haven't gone to the uh, overview service, or overview class before, uh, we would invite you to do that. Now, I do recognize that this is holiday season, and it's, you have family coming in, we're traveling out, so if the 28th doesn't work for you, just let us know on your connection card, and we could get that information to you about the child dedication. So again, sign up for all of that on your connection card. All right, next, uh, an exciting announcement. Church Around the Table is going to be Sunday, December 12th here in the courtyard, and what we do for Church Around the Table, we like to take a break from the busyness um, of our normal church service and all of the extra work that goes on. The kids are with us. We set up tables and we just share a breakfast together. Uh, we have people, uh, the tables are big enough so you can meet new people and small enough so that we can really get to know one another better. And we just uh, have a great time sharing a meal. And the kids will be with us in that time and they'll be performing a song that they've been practicing. So you get to see them again. All right, and then finally, our um, holiday schedule. We will not be having service on December 26th, so time with the families. We'll take a break. We will be resuming again on January 2nd, so look forward to that. Now, um, let's just welcome up the children. Thank you guys so much for bringing all these boxes. Look at all of these presents. Now, Operation Christmas Child is um, it's a, it's a ministry from... Samaritan's Purse, and these boxes are going to be delivered to children all around the world that might not otherwise get a present. So we wanted to take the time and just pray over those boxes. So would you guys pray with me? Let's pray. Father God, thank you so much for just how you give us the opportunity to very personally be part of what you're doing around the world as we shopped and packed these boxes, and we can give these as a present to another child all the way around the world. Father, I just pray that you would use these gifts to demonstrate uh, in a real way your love for these children, that it would bring real joy and excitement as they get this present, and that, God, your good news would become very real to them. Father, we know that you love them so much, and we just thank you for the way to be a part of what you're doing in children's and families' lives around the world. Just pray that you would use these very powerfully. And God, as we go back to our class or hear uh, a message today from John, I pray that you'd open our hearts so that we could really uh, learn from you, hear a message from you, and respond to you to follow you more closely. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
All right. You guys can head back. Thank you so much. And now John uh, Taylor will be coming up to give us our message. Thank you. Thank you very much. Can we put that up a little bit for me? Yeah, thank you. Okay. Thank you. Good morning, everybody. How are you today? It's great to be here. It's great to be in the presence of the Lord with God's people and beautiful sunshine. And especially great to see the kids up here and to recognize the future, to, to look at the future and say, that's, that's, those are the people that are going to carry on the message of Jesus into the future from this church. Thank God for that. You know, we're in a series about trusting the character of God, trusting the character of God. We recognize that so many of our issues that we have in our lives come from a wrong understanding or a warped understanding of who God really is. What's he like? What's his character? What's his nature? What's his power? And, and these things are so important. And we have to learn about the character of God. And have to, it has to get right into our hearts and right into our minds and right into the very depths of our being because our basic beliefs about life emerge as we come under pressure, particularly as we come under pressure over extended periods of time. Our basic beliefs in life emerge, either, sometimes in times of genuine crisis, sometimes, but especially as we're under pressure for extended periods. And the shape of your life is going to be formed particularly by the fundamental understanding you have about reality, about truth, about, and especially about God and His ways, about the Bible, about the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we need to get that truth into our innermost being as a foundation. It's going to make us be like a rock for us as we go forward. And remember that, of course, God is our rock, even when we don't fully understand Him, even when, our, and our, even when our understanding is limited, He's still there, right? So it's not that our life is built on a foundation of our own understanding and somehow we've got to be particularly intelligent or something or have lots of education to know the Lord or to make our way in life. But nevertheless, it's absolutely foundational. And we're going to look at Psalm 145 today. In Psalm 145, I'm calling this message the A to Z of praising God. You know, because in Australia, where I come from, we would say the A to Z of praising God, but I've almost never said the Z in my life, but I had to say it for today because we're in America. But I'll explain in a, in a minute the reasons for, for calling that message 
under that title. But this is a, a psalm about the character and the power and the nature of God. In fact, it's one of the richest psalms, in my view, one of the richest psalms in the whole book of 150 about who God is. What is He like? What is He really like? And you can do yourself a great favor just by reading this psalm, meditating over it, thinking about it, doing it again, chewing over it, chewing over it, and chewing over it, and letting it settle into your heart. The previous psalm, Psalm 144, is a prayer for God's blessings on Israel uh, and for God's blessings on, on the family, and, and it's a, it also celebrates and praises God for His blessings. How many reasons do we need to praise the Lord? How many reasons do we need to pass on the knowledge of Him to this generation, to this world, and to the next generation? Well, this psalm provides us with so many of these reasons. And Psalm 145, in the, as, it's, as it's written in the book of Psalms, at the very beginning, it has the Hebrew word tehila, which means praise. And this is a psalm of praise written to praise the Lord with. And of course, it's a poem, right? It's, in, it's an art form. This is not just a kind of textbook description of who God is. It's not, someone, it's not some academic theologian sitting down and just writing you know, a list of the characteristics of, of God. This is someone writing poetry, writing music, writing an art form. And that's really actually quite important because one of the ways that the truth gets you know, from our brain, from our minds, into our hearts, our imaginations, and forms who we are is through music, through poetry, through art. These kind of expressions can actually help the truth settle in our innermost being and make a difference. And that's one of the reasons we have the book of Psalms. It's to celebrate and to praise and to pray the Word of God in such a way that it starts to shape who we are and make a difference on the inside. It says the next word in, in the text is, uh, or the next words in Hebrew in the text is for David or, or of David. So this is attributed to David and it's a, it's a psalm of praise. It's attributed to David. And, you know, the psalms not only are there to use in worship, and by the way, thank you, uh, Victor and the team, for singing that last song because that was, that's a whole song taken from Psalm 145, which we're going to look at today. And so we've actually just sung much of the psalm that we're about to study. That's, that's the perfect way to do it. Sing it and then study it. And but see, the Psalms have a teaching function, or songs and praise has a teaching function. Right? I mean, when I, look, when I think about what scriptures have I memorized in my life, what Bible verses have I memorized, most commonly the ones I remember are the ones I've sung. The verses that I have memorized are the, usually the ones I have, that are in music uh, or in poetic form. And you can see how the Psalms are written in poetic form and that helps them to remember it. And in particularly with this Psalm, because in the original Hebrew that 
that this was written in, every verse in Psalm 145 starts with the next letter of the alphabet in Hebrew. This is what we call an acrostic psalm. So the first, the first verse starts with the word, starts with a letter, the first word or the first verse after saying it's of David, starts with the Hebrew letter Aleph, which is the A in Hebrew or something like the A. And, and, uh, and then the next verse starts with Beit, which is the Hebrew B, and, and so through the Hebrew alphabet, which has 22 letters. Uh, you might notice that there's only 21 verses in the psalm. And in most of the manuscripts that we've had of the Hebrew Bible, and uh, dating back a thousand years, there was, there was a, a line missing, if you like, or at least it jumped in the Hebrew alphabet with no, no letter, no, no verse for the Hebrew, starting with the Hebrew letter N or Nun in the Hebrew. Uh, and yet in the, Greek, the old Greek translation of this psalm, there was a line that was in there that was not in those Hebrew manuscripts. That and uh, that suggests that maybe there was at some point a line. And when they dug up the Dead Sea Scrolls in the late 40s, now near the Dead Sea in Israel, and they found not only were they, the, the community that produced these scrolls uh, writing their own religious literature, they had lots and lots of bits of the Bible in there. In fact, they've, they've found portions of the scripture of every, every book of the Old Testament except for Esther in those caves. And they found portions of the Psalms, including Psalm 145, with that same verse now included. Uh, you know, that was way back, probably, you know, date, this probably dates from the century before Christ, that particular manuscript. So, it's, so the English Standard Version, which is what we've been using in these messages, uh, actually includes that line in the psalm, and we're going to study it today. Uh, and, and it's kind of the third part of verse 13 uh, in the psalm. And we'll get to it in a minute. So just kind of explaining the acrostic. But it basically helps people remember it. It's a memory. It's a, a mnemonic device. You know, I was, once, uh, uh, I was once involved with a group of people who, a group of believers said, let's write our own acrostic psalm uh, to the English alphabet. So we just we started, tried to write a song of praise uh, where every verse started with the next letter of the English alphabet. A bit difficult when we got to X. Uh, but... Uh, but, uh, you know, we, we did it, and, I, and then uh, people contributed, everybody contributed a verse from every, the letters of the alphabet, and then I put it to music. And, uh, and, and so it was a helpful just to remember the ways of God. This is what this is about. And so it's rich. The psalmist has sat down to write this, and he's just, he's just going to make this thing. He's got an alphabetic psalm. And he's having a great time. It's full of the wisdom of God. It's full of, of the richness of God's character. That, uh, and that missing verse, or the one that is in the Dead Sea Scrolls Psalms, Psalms manuscript, says this, The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his deeds or works. So we're going to come back to, we'll come back to that in a minute. So let's get into the psalm itself now. 
verses 1 and 2 start with this. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. This is the first part of the psalm. It's about praising Him forever and ever. And it's, you'll notice it's saying, I'm going to extol you, my God and King. That is to lift him up, to raise him up. That means, of course, not in his eyes, but in ours, right? We lift him up in our own eyes. We raise him up. We give him prominence. We say, he's the important one. And we do that forever. And we do it every day. That's the beginning. And notice, it's a choice. I will extol you, my God and King. Every day, I will bless you and praise you your name. And I'm going to do it forever. And and by the way, you're going to be doing this, if you're a believer, you're going to be doing this for eternity and it won't get boring. Believe me. It won't get boring because there's always more about the Lord to discover. There's always more about Him to learn. Even when we get to the new creation, to the the day of resurrection, we're going to be learning forever, exploring His riches. Because his richness and his, his, his depths, because he's infinite and we're not. And so we'll never be infinite. We're always going to have to learn. Praise the Lord. You'll notice the, the parallelism in these two verses, right? I will extol you, bless your name forever and ever. I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. It's very typical Hebrew poetry where you have lines in parallel, in pairs of parallel lines, and it's a sort of repeat each other, and uh, one builds upon the other. One more comment on this. In the text we're reading from the English Standard Version, it says, I will extol you, my God and King. In the original Hebrew here, it is, it is I will extol you, my God, the King, the King. It's, it's got that article there before the the, the word melech for king, ha-melech, the, the king. In other words, this is not just God who happens to, uh, any old God who happens to be your king and your God, your personal deity. This is the God who is king of all. He's also, if you're a believer today in the Lord Jesus Christ, he is your God and your king. But he's not just His reign and His rule is not limited to those who follow Him. He's over all. And that's going to come up later in the psalm, actually. This kind of introduces us to one of the key themes that comes back a bit later. Well, let's move right on to verses 3 to 6. Praise Him for His greatness. We'll read it out. Great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, and His greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another, and shall declare your mighty acts on the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. Just how great is our God? I mean, can you measure it? Look at how it starts, the first word here. Great is the Lord. By the way, that's Lord, all capitals, Yahweh, in the original Hebrew, right? Great is the Lord, and it finishes and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable, and then finishes in verse 6, this portion with, 
They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds. I'll declare your greatness. And in between verses five, 4 and 5, your mighty acts, your majesty, your wondrous works. This is celebrating the greatness of God, how awesome He is, how powerful, how His acts, the things He does are beyond compare. And how great is our God? He is as great as the Bible says He is, right? Not as great as our mind can comprehend. It's as great as the Bible says He is, and He is greater than we can than we currently comprehend and always will be greater than we ever comprehend. This is God's unsearchable greatness. See that in verse 3? It says His greatness is unsearchable. In other words, you can explore the greatness, the awesomeness, the might, the power, the infinity of God, majesty of God, and you'll never get to the end of it. There's no limit. There's no end to it. You know, I've had to learn this over and over and over again in my life, you know, that God's greater than what I imagine that He is, that God could do more than I understand that He can do. I, I think back to a time when I was uh, on a short-term mission, uh, uh, outreach to the island of Fiji, and we were in, uh, going out on the streets every day and witnessing to people, and sometimes we'd set up uh, a, a, uh, you know, with music, a little, our guitars and things and songs, and we'd do some street theater, kind of drama things, and we'd preach as a crowd gathered, and then we'd go out and witness to people and personally. And so the, the, the couple of guys who were running this outreach, uh, and I, I was part of a t one of a team here, but there was somebody running this big, big thing, and uh, lots of Christians coming together, and these guys said one day, they said, we feel like God wants us to go down to the marketplace. This is in Suva, the capital city of Fiji. We want, we're supposed to go down to the marketplace tonight and set up there with our music and our drama and our preaching and, and, and do an open-air witness. And I thought to myself, they're kind of, they've, got, they've lost the plot. The reason is the market is shut at night. There's no one there in the evening. And literally that was the case. We, we, we carted all our gear and all of our people and we went down to the marketplace in central Suva there in the, in, and literally the, there's closed up market stalls, tarpaulins and covers over things. All that you could see of what was sold in the market was long stacks of unsold watermelons. And I'm, I'm kind of saying, do we really have to preach to the watermelons tonight? I mean, is that all it's going to be? But they thought, they said, we've been praying, feel like this is what God wants us to do. Feel like the Lord has led us here. So we set up, we start to sing, and I don't know where they came from. Maybe they were hiding in the watermelons. I really don't know. But people just came. They heard the music. They came. We ended up with a huge crowd out of, in, at nighttime when there's no one there. They just came and 24 people that night on the streets of Suva gave their lives to Jesus Christ. 24 people. Well, it was my unbelief in God's greatness and His ability to do something outrageous and wonderful where visually there's only watermelons and closed up market stalls, yet people were around and the Lord 
knew that and he knew we could get to their hearts if only we'd go out. Verse 5 says, meditate on his majesty, right? On the glorious splendor of your majesty, on your wondrous works, I will meditate, I'll muse, I will, I will think about it. You know, so often our minds, our hearts are filled with our lives, our problems, our issues. One of, the, one, of, one of the keys to a fruitful, productive life, one of the keys to a life that's glorifying to God, walking in the truth and making a difference, is that we fill our mind not only with, you know, not only with the things we have to think about in the course of our everyday life, which we have to think about, but we make sure that we meditate on Him, on who He is. And this psalm is a great way to do it because it's full of who He is. You know, we'll notice in this, in this little portion that praise here is more than vertical, telling God how great He is. It's also horizontal and missional, right? Look at verse 4. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. And look at verse 6. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. Right? It's not only worshipful to tell God about what you've discovered Him to be in the Bible and who He is in your life and testimony. It's also worshipful to evangelize the next generation, <laughs> to tell the next generation, to declare God's greatness to the world, to the nations, and to the generations. The gospel is good news for the nations, and the gospel is good news for the generations, for those who follow. And you know, we have to evangelize the world every generation, right? Because there's new people being born all the time. Every generation has to evangelize the world all over again. And we have to pass it on to the nations and the generations, declaring God's greatness by declaring His mighty acts, His wonderful words, works, His awesome deeds. Tell the stories. Tell the stories, right? Commend your, one generation shall commend your works to another. And shall declare your mighty acts. Tell the stories of God to the next generation. Thrilled to see those children up here today. As, you know, as we're preparing to send out those Christmas boxes for Operation Christmas Child. But listen, we've got to tell those stories. What stories? Like what? Like stories in the Bible. They have to be told and retold. Stories in church history. Stories of what God is doing in the world today and stories of your own life, how the Lord has met you. Talking about church history and children, you may have heard of a man by the name of Robert Rakes. Robert Rakes was a remarkable man, an Englishman who lived in the 1800s in the city of Gloucester in England. It's in the sort of west part of England. And... He was, had the privilege as a child growing up in a household of believers and people like George Wesley, sorry, George Whitfield and John Wesley would often come through his house, you know, and staying with his parents in, as they're doing, they're going around England preaching the gospel. He just had this interesting growing up. 
and he met Jesus himself and he became a believer. And uh, this was at the time of the Industrial Revolution when thousands and thousands of people are moving from the cities, uh, sorry, moving to the cities from the country. And they're crowding into the cities of England and then many other nations as well as mechanization has come and industrialization has come and there's factories being built and they're crowding into the cities, living in appalling conditions, many of them, uh, but looking for a better life, looking for uh, economic advancement and so on. And in the process, a lot of people got rich, but also a lot of people got hurt and wounded and were left behind. And so uh, it, you know, it lifted the economy overall, but it was still uh, some terrible things happened. And Robert Rakes was just very concerned about the children of his city because they were working all day, every day in the factories. You know, when the first child labor laws were brought in, the, the first one was to limit child hours in the factories and, and mines to bring it down to 12 hours a day, six, hours a week, six days a week for children. That was, that was to bring it down from what it was. And so you see how difficult, and, and so he, he said they're not being educated. They're not learning anything. And, and because they're working in 12 or 15 hours a day and uh, they, they're poor and, and so he opened up the first Sunday school. Literally, it was a school on Sunday. And they started to get children, started to gather. These, in the beginning, it was the children of, uh, these, or there was these children who were chimney sweeps. And it was in the street called Sooty Alley, or Soot Alley, you know. That's where the chimney sweeps lived, lived in Gloucester. And he opened up this, using the church property and, and things like that, and he opened up a school for children on Sundays where they could learn to read. But they did it by reading the Bible. So they learned to read by reading the Bible. So he teach them the gospel and uh, teach them to read all at the same time. And that was the beginning of Sunday school. Uh, eventually adults started to come as well to some of those because they needed to learn to read and they needed the Bible, they needed Jesus. And that movement grew enormously, you know, to where within about 70 years, about a quarter of the population of England was in Sunday school of one form or another. Just incredible. That's Robert Rakes. He's passing on the good news of God's mighty works and the gospel of Jesus Christ from one generation to the next. Amen. By the way, you know, although the, the psalm here is really talking about one generation passing down the good news to the next generation, you can just remember that it can go the other way as well, right? It doesn't have to be just from older to younger. One generation can make God's mighty works known, make Jesus known to another generation can go both ways. Now, verses 8 and 9 says, he's, the Lord is, well, no, beg your pardon, I've jumped ahead. Let's get to the next part of our psalm, verses 7 to 9. Praise him for his goodness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all 
he has made. Praise him for his goodness. They're going to pour out or bubble over with the goodness of God, and they're going to sing loudly, loudly of your righteousness. In verse 4, verse 9, the Lord is good to all. By the way, notice the all language starting to come in this psalm. In, in verse 9, the Lord is good to all. His mercy is, or His compassion is over all that He has made. And you'll, if, you, if, you can, if you've got a Bible in front of you, scan down the psalm, you'll see how many times He uses all or every from now on in the psalm. It's just this comprehensive vision of God's care, compassion, power, greatness for all of His creation. Now, they're going to pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and sing aloud of your righteousness. This continues this idea of communicating God to others, including the next generation. They're going to pour forth, the word fame here is, is the Hebrew, zekeh. Uh, it means memory. Pour forth, pour out the memory. In other words, tell the stories. We must not forget who the Lord is and what He's done, and we must not, and we've got to pass it on to others, right? This is the Christian witness. You're telling stories. That's what you do as a witness for Christ, right? You're telling stories. This is what God did. This is what Jesus did. This is what God did through the Holy Spirit. This is what how. Just tell the stories and tell your own stories. And this is making sure that neither you nor anyone else can forget. Now, and the emphasis in this three-verse section is on God's character, right? The previous section was on the greatness of God, the power, the majesty, the awesomeness. This section is on His character, His goodness, His mercy, His grace. So the, the character of God is so often maligned or suspected when something goes wrong in the world, something, some people do evil things, something happens that's bad, you know, that's when the enemies of God or just the confused and hurting people start to say, how could a good God let this evil things happen, right? And so the character of God, we've got to uphold our understanding of God's perfect goodness. There's nothing evil in Him. There's nothing bad in Him. He doesn't have an evil bone in his body. Not that he has a body, you know, but he, he hasn't. And it says, sing aloud about this. This is a ringing cry or shout, in the in, in, as the meaning of the word is. This means, get loud for Jesus. That's what it means, right? Be prepared to get loud for the Lord. I don't mean we should crank out the worship band, you know, 150 decibels every Sunday, but we should prepare to boldly proclaim praise and witness to who God is, to His character. Look at verse 8 and 9 here. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. Where have we heard that before? Remember, this series is based off Exodus 34, 6 and 7, which we, which we studied previously in our, our last series. And... and when we're talking about the Lord in, in Exodus 32 to 34, and this line, the Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, straight out of Exodus 34, 6. Uh, the only difference is it's gracious and merciful rather than 
in Exodus 34, it's merciful and gracious, otherwise it's identical. And on the basis of that, he then goes on to say that the Lord has compassion or mercy over all, that he's good to all, to all. Listen, God is a compassionate God to all. That means you and your worst enemy and the people who irritate you the most. He's also compassionate to them, to your political opponents, to your irritating dominating boss. He's compassionate towards the people who aren't compassionate, like we haven't been so often, right? He's compassionate and goodness and good to all. There's always someone you has hard to feel compassion for, right? And yet his compassion is over all that he's made. This is remarkable gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love. That's who he is. Don't blame the Lord for evil. He's totally, wonderfully good. You know, when I was a, in my time as a Christian leader, one of the things I've had to learn, and have to still keep learning, to be honest, is to learn God's compassion for all. I've told you a bit before about this, but one of the things the Lord really impressed on my heart was that I had to have a, develop a shepherd's heart. And honestly, well, honestly, it wasn't natural or native to me to be that kind of caring shepherd type. I was much more inclined, you know, just to tell people what's wrong with them, <laughs> you know, just to be... and, and uh, just tell them to, sh you know, shape up or ship out. And I had to really... Lord had to really work on me, and part of the way I, I was starting to learn that was just by reading these kind of texts and meditating on them, by seeing the compassion of Jesus in the Scripture, and by experiencing God's care and compassion for me, even when I was at my most obstinate and stubborn and willful and selfish. Verse 6, verse 10, shouldn't be 6, verse 10 to 13 or 13b, we're going to get to the, says this, and it's about praising him for his kingdom. Let's read it. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. Hear that all language, right? They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. So this continues the all language from verse 9. Here we see in verse 10. And as in the previous passage, the idea of people continuing to, you know, to tell about others about him, that's what we have here. The whole of creation is envisaged by David here, praising God and all God's holy ones, or his saints, this could be his holy people, this could be his holy angels, it's not totally clear, but in any event, it's, he's calling the whole of creation to praise and worship and honor and give thanks to the Lord. They shall speak about the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power. You know, when John the Baptist comes preaching before Jesus' ministry starts, public ministry starts, when John the Baptist comes preaching, he comes preaching and he says this, repent for the kingdom of God is at hand, or the kingdom of heaven is at hand. When Jesus comes preaching, he preaches exactly 
the same message. He preaches the message of the coming of the kingdom, which means the coming of the reign of God. That God's, there's a world which has gone upside down. And he's going to put it right side up. He's going to turn it around to what it should be. He's going to transform this world. And you've got to make it known. This everlasting, never-ending kingdom. Most of the, so many of the promises about the Messiah, the Christ in the Old Testament, are promises to give him an eternal kingdom over the nations of the world. And here, then, this, this psalm anticipates God's reign over the whole world and declares God's reign over the whole world forever and ever and ever. And so we've got to make it known. Praise Him for His kingdom and power, right? Like we saw in verse 1, my God and the King. Praise Him for His reign, His sovereign rule, His authority. He's in charge. And make His kingdom known. It says here in our text to the children of man, or children of man, sons of man. This is in the Hebrew, b'nai ha'adam. The sons, literally the sons of Adam. You know, this kind of an allu- goes all the way back to Genesis and Genesis 2 and the creation of Adam and Eve and how that first man, Adam, is just called Adam, meaning man, <laughs> and his descendants, right? You're going to make known the glory of God's kingdom and his power to every descendant of Adam. Every descendant of Adam. Don't keep your praises inside the church. You know, I was once uh, flying through, uh, well, actually over Georgia in the, in the uh, you know, one of the former Soviet republics, but uh, flying actually from Sochi in, in Russia, and, and uh, we're going to fly up to Moscow, I uh, know, to Odessa in Ukraine. And there was a big storm. I was on Aeroflot, the Soviet airline, which honestly I don't recommend. You know, uh, it, is, it, it was called Aeroflop for a reason. But, and we had hit a huge storm in the air, and the plane was going up, down, up, down, up, down, just like this, as they circled, circled around. A, a, an airport in the middle of nowhere. We weren't supposed to land it. They needed somewhere to land to get away from the storm, and they but they still had to make a safe landing. So we're going up, down, and we were. Everybody was, you know, where you just imagine wasn't very healthy, and we were feeling like just absolutely terrible. We finally landed at this airport, and we had to stuck there for hours while the storm passed over. But those of us, there was, I was with a group of believers who were on a mission trip, and. We were in this foreign airport. We never expected to be there. We had 12 hours to wait around this airport before we could get on the plane again. And so, and so were the rest of the passengers. So we got out of guitars and we just started to worship the Lord and sing. And we learned, learned some songs in Russian and then we just started to sing these things. And people just started to gather around, like on the staircases, up on the sort of second floor balconies inside the airport building they just started to gather and listen and we just kept worshiping jesus and then people our our fellow believers just started going out and one by one just talking to people about jesus we didn't and and we saw people really impacted with the power of the gospel 
gospel in an airport, we didn't keep our praises inside the church. This is an eternal kingdom. Praise him for it. Wow. Verses 13 to 17. Praise him to, for his kindness. Now we get to that last line of verse 13, which is the missing verse. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and that you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous and in all his ways and kind in all his works. Do you know his faithfulness? his justice, his kindness, all his words, all his works, all his ways are faithful, just, and kind. Notice the alls in all this text, right? All his words, all his works, all who are falling, all who are bowed down, the eyes of all, and even in verse 16, you open your hand, you'd satisfy the desire of every living thing. In the Hebrew, that's the same word, uh, uh, called all. Same word for all there. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, or just, and, and kind in all his works. Notice the alls. It's comprehensive. The Lord's compassion over all is displayed now in his kindness to everyone. He lifts up those who are bowed down. We, the psalm says, extol him, raise him up in worship. He lifts up those who are bowed down. This is the Lord's lifting up of, of the lowly, of the broken, of the humble. The Lord's lifting up of those who've been smashed down by life, who've been smashed down by problems and circumstances. The Lord lifts them up and he does it for all, right? This is the Lord's provision. The eyes of all look to you. The Hebrew here means wait for him. Just wait expectantly, looking. Your eyes are on the Lord, looking for his help. And guess what? He provides. He gives them their food at the right time. He, he provides for all. This is what theologians sometimes call common grace. God's universal provision for everybody in the world, saint or sinner. You know, for all the animals. This is a God's grace. And he satisfies the desire of all living things, right? The Lord is just in all his ways and kind in all his deeds. The only thing we have to, in this, in this whole sequence in verses 30, the end of 13 through to 17, the only thing we have to do is look to him, is look to him. And he opens his hand to give. This is a compassionate and giving God. Verses 18 to 20. Praise him for his nearness. His nearness. The Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him. But all the wicked he will destroy. Notice again the alls. And this passage is really about God's particular or special blessing and grace for those who call on him, 
those who come near to Him, who love Him, who fear Him, who worship Him, who are converted to Him and His ways. Remember we talked before about the unconditional love of God for everyone and yet the special, wonderful love of God that He has for those who walk in His ways because it's a relationship. Here, we have the same kind of sequence, the general grace, if you like, and uh, to all, but this special blessing for those who come near to Him, who call on Him truly, who truly call on Him. This is particular help and grace. He draws near. He's near to you. It reminds me of James 4, verse 8, right? Draw near to God, and He will draw near to you. And if God feels far away, guess who moved? If God feels far away, guess who moved? Draw near to Him, and He will draw near to you. Call on Him, and He will be near to you, especially as you call on Him. It says, in truth, that is truly, genuineness, honesty, truthfulness in your call to God. If you fear Him, that is, you reverence and respect Him, you stand in awe of His holiness, when you cry to Him, He's going to rescue you. That's what He does. He saves but the wicked he will destroy. Help for those who fear him, rescue and help for those who love him. And part of this is is God's justice. This is part of his goodness. It's part of his nearness that, you know, a wicked government does not, a wicked government or an evil government lets criminals do what they want, right? It lets people suffer from the crimes of those around them. That's not a good government. It's a bad government to let evil and wickedness and selfishness have its way in the world. In other words, a good government is a just government. And God, as a good governor, as a just ruler, as the just king of everything, must, in his goodness, enact justice in the world. He must bring sin and evil and selfishness to account. That's part of his goodness. That's what this is talking about. Finally, verse 21. You'll notice a similarity to verse 1 and 2, right? Praise him forever. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Forever and ever. So it starts and finishes with just carrying on praising the Lord. And the very next Psalm, 146, is this, it starts a sequence of Psalms that goes all the way to 150, the end of the book, and they, every one of them starts with the Hebrew, Hallelujah. Praise Yahweh. Praise the Lord. And this is a praise Psalm that gets into our hearts. If we meditate on it, if we read it, if we study it like we've done this morning, if we sing it like we've done this morning, and if we pray it. And that's what I would like us to do now by way of concluding. I want us to come back to the beginning of the psalm, and we're going to, I'd like us to invite us, if you can, to stand. And we're going to just read this psalm out together, Psalm 145. I, hopefully, it'll be on the screens. Yes, it is, and we'll just we'll work through this psalm together 
get it into our hearts and minds and we are declaring the praises of God in this place. Let's start. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. By the way, you can do it loud if you'd like. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand. You satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Amen. Let's praise the Lord. We praise you, Lord. Give you glory. Amen. We're going to continue this uh, pattern of worship and I encourage you um, if you need to take the time to just sit and to meditate um, to really confess before God if you want to do that before the Lord's Supper or even at the Lord's Supper later today I love that verse 18 draw near to God and he will draw near to you so as we sing these songs declaring that he is worthy of it all and that we exalt him and we praise him forever invite you to search your heart and declare that uh, with your mouth.
Sing day and night, the incense praise rise.
We're going to get loud. We're going to roar out our praises. Hear the holy roar. Hear the holy roar. Hear this anthem rise in the house of God. All creation cries. Hear the Yeah. 
Thank you for joining us this morning. Uh, we hope to see you at the Lord's Supper later this afternoon.